Okay, we are back. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bounds. And we have Camille Flores, our SVE coordinator. And we have a very special guest with us tonight. Um, and we all still dealing with this COVID-19 type thing. So I'm in the studio by myself. And we have some really good weather here today. So just bear with us. But uh, we have who we call uh, Whitney. I hope I said that right. Yes, you did. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure. Whitney, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. And yourself? Well, like I said, dealing with this COVID-19 and then this warm weather, eh, not too bad. But glad we're <laughs> glad to have you on the show. It was brought to my attention regarding your situation. Let the listeners know. Give a brief description on what happened to you. Um. So I was raised in an abusive household. Uh, it was domestic violence, things like that. Um, around the age of <clears throat> around the age of thirteen, um, I started to be sexually abused by my father, my biological father. Um, you know, started off as small things, um, things I think were you know in my head, or you know, did he really mean to do that? Did he really mean to touch me like that? Was it an accident? Uh, things like that. It just kind of escalated from there, and. Um, the abuse lasted um, until I was 15 and a half when my parents separated. Um, so I obviously I went with my mom when they separated and I completely cut my dad off. I uh, had no relationship with him. have seen him maybe a handful of times since then just because we live in the same area. Um, when I got married, um, I... Uh, he started showing up at my house. Um, I was pregnant, um, just causing a lot of problems. I filed for a restraining order um, based on the abuse. It was denied. Um, you know, years go by. And I didn't really disclose until my mom knew something had happened when I was 19. But it wasn't until I this last year, actually, that um, I was really able to get my story out. Um I did report to the police. Uh, we did make a report. Um, it is an ongoing investigation. Um, I did do a taped phone call to try to get him to confess, which he did to some of it on a recorded line. Um, I was told that they are going to be pressing charges, but I have not been able to get in the contact with the detective on my case. Um, Coming up on nine or ten months now, I haven't heard anything. Kind of where I'm at. Okay. So you said that you were married and he started yes. showing up at your house. What what was he saying? Did he did he come there to cause problems or he just coming there as a dad? So he uh found out I was pregnant. So um he started trying to drop off money and gifts and, and things like that. And keep in mind, I'd had no contact with him at that point for a good four years. You know, we've had no relationship or anything. Um, and he would just sit at my house and he would be banging on my door. And I'm eight months pregnant, home alone with no car. And he would sit outside my house for 20, 30 minutes sometimes. So that was a big trigger for me. It was a, a, a scary situation just because I, did, I was out in the country. I, you know, was stuck honestly. And, 
And so, you know, my husband tried to get in touch with him to tell him, you know, not to come on our property and things like that. And it was just turning into a game of phone tag and head games. And and so that's when we just decided to file because I was bringing my first child into the world and I needed to feel secure in my own home. So we got the temporary restraining order until the court date, but ultimately because there was no police report made about my abuse, they didn't have enough evidence to grant me a long-term restraining order. Okay, so you, you kind of had to just, okay, well, I have to deal with this on my own type situation. Yeah, definitely. Wow, wow. So did did you ever tell your mother about it? So I, when I was... <clears throat> When I was 19, I had just gotten married, and I did tell my mom that something happened. Um, my abuse wasn't as obvious, I feel like, or straightforward as other cases that I've heard, um, because I, you know, raised, being raised in an abusive household, I think it your, your um, sense of what is normal and what is right is very skewed. And so for me, because he wasn't sticking his hands directly down my pants, I thought, I didn't think it was abuse. I knew I didn't like it, but I didn't know it fell under something that I should tell somebody. Um, so, you know, near the end, it was, it was before we moved our family separated and stuff. Um, he did, he did stick his hand down my pants. And so that's when I knew, okay, this is wrong. He shouldn't have done that. Um, I didn't tell anybody then, but that's what I told my mom about when I was 19. I told her about that night. I told her about what happened. Um, and she she believed me, but, um, you know, she would say things like, well, do you think, you know, maybe he didn't mean to, or maybe he wasn't fully awake, or, you know, things like that. Um, so I just kind of shut down. I didn't, I didn't talk about it anymore. I didn't tell the rest of the story of the other things that he did. It just kind of made me withdraw kind of into my own, my own self. And that's, um, that's normal for that to happen. Is that right, Camille? Oh, definitely. Um, it is definitely normal to shut down and to feel like, well, you know, nobody's going to, believe me nobody wants to listen so why you know say anything I might as well just kind of keep it to myself I've been there you know for years and um I've done that I've been in that situation plenty of times where there was just years of kind of isolating myself of doing that so I completely understand where you're coming from and it is a very dark and lonely place to kind of feel like who will hear me, you know, where do I, who do I turn to type thing to kind of isolate yourself. So yeah, that is very common. Yeah. And you know, it's, it was one of those things where that was the most obvious blatantly wrong thing that he did, you know, cause he would um, expose himself and he would, you know, put his body on me and rub his body. But to me that I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know if that was wrong. I knew I didn't like it. I knew I was obviously traumatized by it, 
Um, but I thought that term of being molested involved him touching me, not the other way around. So I think when, when I, you know, I'm like, no, this was the, this was what you told me is, is wrong. And I'm supposed to tell you what makes me think that they're going to believe the, I don't know, less convincing parts or the not so obvious parts of my abuse, you know? Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I thought, well, there's no point in telling them the rest. If they're not going to believe that when I say he put his hand down my pants, why am I going to tell them about the other part? Now, do you, is, are you the only child or you have brothers and sisters? I have two brothers. I have one older and one younger. Okay. Earlier you said, uh, there was abuse in the home. Was you talking yes. strictly about sexual abuse or physical abuse or, or a little bit of both? Um, as far as I know, my brothers were not sexually abused. At least they've never said anything to me. Um, but I was mostly referring to physical um, abuse, domestic violence in the home. So the domestic violence between your mother and him, right? Um, actually, all of us got it to some degree. My mom and my older brother definitely got the majority of it, but it did involve me as well. Okay. So how long did this go on? For years or a couple years or, you know, how long did this take take place? The sexual abuse or the domestic violence? The sexual abuse. Um, it started right around the time I turned 13. Um, and he started by, you know, exposing himself. Um, I think that was kind of a test to see how I was going to react. Um and, you know, something like that is just shocking. I felt like embarrassed, you know, for him. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he doesn't realize, <laughs> you know, how, how embarrassing, how gross. And then, you know, by the second, third, fourth time it happens, it's such a shameful thing. Like, you know, who's going to believe me? Because I didn't say anything the first time or the second time or the third time. You know, nobody's going to believe me now. And so that kind of started off where I feel like kind of some of the grooming and the progression of, you know, I do think that abusers do shame you into silence. They, they, it's, it's a gradual process most of the time. It's not something they just start out with. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of what happened with me. And then it just kind of progressed from there. So start to finish um, about two, two and a half years. Okay. So you, you said that, you felt like no one would believe you the first two or three times it happened. You didn't tell anyone. Yeah. I mean, what really convinced you that this just to say, Hey, look, I'm not going to tell anyone. Was you, was it out of fear because you were scared of him or you felt your mother wasn't going to believe you? Um, I think it was a combination of things. I think when you're raised in a house that already has other forms of abuse going on, you're very much taught to, be quiet. Don't tell anybody. This is our business. We don't need to involve anybody else. Um, what are people going to think? What are they going to say? That was kind of the logic behind we don't talk about this. We just sweep it under the rug and move on. So I think when you're conditioned to that and the fact that, you know, I had tried to tell friends and, and family kind of what was going on in our house. You know, it's not normal for your dad to punch your older brother. <laughs> at 11 years old you know things like that and I think because we looked like the perfect family 
you know, the times that I did try to disclose other forms of abuse, I was kind of laughed at, you know, you don't, you don't have a reason, you have this perfect family, you have no reason to complain, you don't know, you know, you have it better than most, you know, kind of a thing. So I think it was a combination of, I'd already tried to speak up about other things and nobody would believe me. Um, we're kind of conditioned to keep quiet and I just, it wasn't a safe environment to disclose. Okay. I, I think I'm just, what Whitney is saying about there's people who, like there's families who think, you know, what are, a lot of families are thinking, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? That is just, it's, it just definitely is something that I can relate to because growing up when the trauma happened with me and I didn't say anything because I knew that that was the reaction that I was going to get. And when it finally came out of one of the situations that happened with me, that was exactly why I didn't say anything because my aunt was very like, she wanted to portray like her kids and her family as she loved to judge everybody and nobody could judge her or her family. And so she was always, um, always trying to protect her family. And so when you said that about, you know, you, about what are people going to say, that was just, it, it, it just took me back to that time of, I know exactly what that's like. And it's very, it, it's a very hard situation to, to have to go through that and to know, like, I can't say anything. And in a perfect world, we, you know, we would be able to speak up say something and maybe you know things would have been different or we would feel differently about things but it didn't you know happen that way but it's just I don't know I feel like I, I just I can relate to that so I um, definitely commend you on being able to speak up and like share your story and being able to regardless of when you decided to speak up that you were able to say this happened to me even if you somebody said you know maybe I don't believe you I just want to say that I feel like you are a very very strong person for sharing your story thank you I feel like it's extremely normal um well as normal as can one can be with a not normal situation like abuse I feel like it is normal right. for victims to wait to disclose because you already don't feel safe, typically. Right. It's not yeah. for everybody, but typically you're already in an unsafe environment in some way, shape, or form. And you right. have to think about what's going to happen after. What what right. what is going to happen to me if I report this, any of the abuse, whether it be physical abuse or sexual abuse, and I'm not believed, I still have to live there, you know? Right, and and yeah. so I think it's extremely normal, unfortunately, for victims to wait to come forward. 
um, until they're in a safe environment. And that's pretty much exactly what I did. I had to wait until I was old enough to be able to process what happened to me and to understand the ramifications of what happened to me. And honestly, I didn't report my full story. I didn't report my full story until it was going to affect people that I loved because my 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 dad got remarried and it was the family he married into was extended family of one of my best friends and she had two daughters so that's that's what prompted me to fully tell everybody what had happened and that's what prompted us going and reporting to the to the authorities and and things like that so I think, you know, everybody has to do it in their own time. It's not something that can be rushed, but typically it's not until you're in a safe environment to do so. Right. Um, did you ever talk to your brothers um, after you, re- like when you were out of the house um, or after you reported what happened with your dad? Did you and your brothers, do you guys talk now or do, do you guys ever talk about what happened to you? Um, so my brothers and I have kind of a strained relationship. It's something that's gotten a bit better over the last couple of years, but we went years without talking. Um, like I said, they went with my dad. I went with my mom. Um, I got a lot of hate from my siblings and from my whole dad's side of the family, all my aunts, uncles, grandparents on that side. They all kind of stopped talking to me because I wouldn't talk to my dad. Um, so We've never had, even though I do talk to my brothers now, we've never Mm -hmm. had a conversation about my abuse because my dad is kind of an off-limits topic for all of us. So it's not something that we've talked about, no. Do you feel like um, kind of estranged from your family because this has happened or maybe because you said something or just because... um, do you just feel like that with a lot of your family or do you have any relationship with any of your family besides like your mom? So my mom and I are very close. Um, we've definitely mm-hmm. talked. She knows the full story. She was, you know, she wasn't involved with my reporting, but she knew what was going on while I was reporting. Um, so, and she actually lives with me. <laughs> so my, my mom okay. and I are very close. Um, as far as my siblings, I feel like um, we are definitely like not close because of my dad. I wouldn't say necessarily because of my abuse. I don't even think that they know that I reported to the authorities. So I don't, okay. I don't think that's the reason why. It's more so it started off because I wouldn't talk to my dad and they didn't understand why. Um, I mean, they kind of did because they saw the physical abuse and they were involved in that. But for some right. reason, they've, they've never seemed to have a problem with him, even with all of that stuff. So I, it started off because I wouldn't talk to him. As far as the rest of my family, I have a very large family on my dad's side. Um, and we were all very close growing up. We did a family vacation for a week every summer, every year, my entire childhood. I was very close with my aunts and uncles and my grandparents on that side. Um, and not a single one of them will talk to me now. Wow. So that started, I want to say we kept in some contact after my parents split. Um, like I said, they, the abuse stopped when my parents separated. So I was 15 and a half. 
they tried for about a year. We both kind of tried. And then once it became clear that this was not a phase, I was not going to have any sort of relationship with him. My relationship mm-hmm. with them stopped as well. Okay. I just asked because I feel like the black sheep of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like as I got older, I decided that I didn't, I wasn't going to have a relationship with family who decided like they weren't going to believe me or any of that. So I just decided I don't have to have a relationship with people who are going to make me feel like I'm lying or um, make me feel like, you know, any of that was my fault. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like the black sheep of my family. And there was a, a, like a quote that I I read one day that says usually the black sheep of the family is usually the one telling the truth. And one day I read that and I thought, you know what, that is so true that I'd rather be the black sheep telling the truth than somebody who tolerates, you know, negativity or allowing people to make me feel like I don't have a voice or anything like that. So it was just something that, you know, I wondered if anybody else kind of felt. Yeah, like absolutely. As well. uh, other than my grandfather, my my dad's dad, I don't believe that any of the rest of the family knows about the sexual abuse. Um, like I said, it's not been public knowledge because it's still being investigated. So it's not like, you know, there's been anything major and I didn't tell them. So I, I, they don't talk to me because I chose not to have a relationship with him. And I tried telling them about the physical abuse and stuff, but they just took his side. So, I mean, I get, I get that feeling. And they tried uh, to contact me once I had my firstborn. Um, They wanted pictures and all this. And, you know, my husband and I just decided that we didn't need that connection and that drama um, by pursuing or allowing them to even see pictures of the kids. So, um, yeah, for a long time, we wouldn't even allow their faces on social media because of that, because of all the drama that it would create. So, How how many children do you have? I have two, two girls. Okay. So you have two girls mm-hmm. and you know, from what happened to you, uh, what, what precautions do you, do you think that you could take to protect your two daughters? Um, this is something that my husband and I have talked about repeatedly over the years um, since we became parents. So we first of all, we try to stay approachable. We never want them to be scared to come and talk to us about anything. Um, And we've actually had very frank discussions with them about what is appropriate and what's not. Some people are going to disagree with that. My kids are very young. They are six and three. Um, But I feel like knowledge is power. And so I've, I've told my six-year-old exactly what is okay and what is not. Anywhere that a swimsuit covers, nobody should be touching you there. You should never touch somebody else for a swimsuit cover. I, I go over, nobody should take pictures of you with your clothes off. I've, I, we've been very, very specific about what is acceptable and what not and what to do if she gets in a situation where something is wrong or she's uncomfortable. We have given her permission to scream, hurt the person, bite, kick, do whatever she needs to do to get away and to draw attention. And she will never be in trouble um, for doing what she needs to do to protect her body. So 
and we do check-ins, you know, has anybody made you feel uncomfortable lately? You know, is there, has anybody ever, you know, hurt you or any, so we, we do periodic check-ins and, you know, because of, unfortunately in the world that we live in today, this has become such a prevalent thing that we see abuse in kids. Um, they are not allowed to be alone with any adult other than me and her dad. Um, there has to be two adults present at all times, including family. So there's no uncles coming to pick them up to take them to their house. It has to be uncle and auntie. Um, so there's, those are just some of the precautions that we've taken and we just try to be very open. And, and my six-year-old asked me, you know, who my dad was. This was actually not that long ago and why she doesn't know him. And I told her it was because he hurt me and he touched me where she shouldn't. So I'm hoping by being open that they'll feel comfortable coming to talk to me if God forbid, if anything ever happened to them. Yeah, that's, I like that. Um, and yeah, yeah, Camille, that is, that's, that's a good deal there. And being <laughs> that she asked you about your dad and you was able to be open, you know, that's another thing too. So, Hey, man, congratulations on how you're handling that. Yeah, I definitely had a panic attack and cried after <laughs> to hold it together for her. So. Well, you know what? Yeah. You're a survivor and you have that right because you survived your abuse. You survived it. And yeah. you don't want to see both of your girls go through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. Well, you know, we've about run out of time here and... You know, Whitney, I really, really appreciate you. We really appreciate you coming on here to do a brave thing to tell your story. Thank uh, you so much. And, you know, that was that was just a, a brave thing to do. And, you know, um, we pray for you. And we hope that you and your husband keep continuing, you know, to keep practicing with your girls. And hopefully that they are safe. You know what I mean? yeah well thank you so much you guys yeah you're welcome and you know hang in there i'm glad to hear you're married i'm glad that you was able to tell your husband and your daughter some people some victims ain't ain't been able to do that but you you overcome that so hey i'm proud of you so like i said once again thank you for being brave coming on here telling your story okay thank you guys all right all right well we done come to the end guys and we want you to go to our facebook crime pursuit podcast and interact with us we we will we'll interact with we'll talk with you we'll inbox with you uh people call us they send us emails we we respond if there's anyone out there that has you know a case for sve reach out to camille uh, we don't we hide your identity we don't we don't put your full name out there we don't put your kids out there anything this is about protecting you and allowing you to tell your story all right we're gonna get up out of here take care